Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. Welcome again to another episode of Saints at the Roundtable. I'm here again with uh, Paul Watson, Zach McGinnis, and Derek Thompson. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. Good to have you all here again. And again, we're going to discuss the book of James. We're actually going to close out James uh, with this episode. Uh, and we'll be looking at chapter five. We're going to start the reading with uh, Paul, if you wouldn't mind reading for us, uh, verses one through six. Yeah. James chapter five, verses one through six. James chapter five, verse one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and your corrosion or, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, with which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Exactly. Hey, a few words for us on that. I sure do. And it's it's nice of James to start out with such a rosy, upbeat, positive picture for us. I, I appreciate him doing that here in chapter five. Uh, talking about uh, fire and eating flesh and and all those lovely things that we always associate with rich people, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it seems like it seems to me that that James is kind of honing in on one of the issues that that rich people have to deal with or come to terms with if they're going to be uh, um, Christians, if they're gonna if they're going to follow after Christ. The other one that the Bible seems to hone in on uh, pretty directly and, and narrow in and, fo and focus on is is the idea of storing storing up the wrong kind of, of things, storing up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. And Jesus addresses that, as we know. Uh, but here James points out that often rich people become rich by exploiting others, by um, you know, going going after taking advantage of the the blue collar man or the or the working man. Um, and, and probably in this day and age, as he's writing this, I would assume slave labor. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that would be a safe assumption to make here as well. Yeah. And so he's saying, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to answer for uh, your exploitation. You're going to have to answer for being a bad master. You're going to have to answer for getting fat off the backs of, of those who you, who you have um, enslaved or, or brought in as servants or, or what have you. Um, and he, he just doesn't paint a very, very good picture of, of um, the, the upper class in this situation. Mm -hmm. All right, Derek? Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't have a, a ton to, to add on to that. It is, a, um, it is a pretty bleak picture for those that have been um, selfish and have not thought about others as they go you know i immediately just started thinking about you know the world that we live in today and some of the ways that um not only people but 
people who operate certain, you know, corporations or that are, you know, in charge from a leadership standpoint and just how, just how important and glaring it is to see such disparities between those that have so much and those that would, from an earthly standpoint, seem to have so little. Mm-hmm. And I think this light that has been shown upon those that have so much and the ways that they've gained that is appropriately done so uh, without holding back. And sometimes we we need to see that, we need to hear it, and we need to be able to feel that um, even today. So, Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things that's interesting here is that you, we've got um, chapter four that ends with uh, telling us not to, uh, you know, really plan ahead so much. Um, you know, we have to accept things as the Lord wills. And that, that sort of planning ahead, you know, I'm going to do this tomorrow, I'm going to do that tomorrow, that's all like worldly-based things where we're really just look, uh, looking for what we're going to do tomorrow, and that's the most important thing. That's sort of the beginning and the end of it. And you don't think beyond that. And all of anyone who is spiritual should be looking beyond that. You know, we're doing, we're making and doing what we can here on this, in this world, but we have a plan beyond that. And uh, and the rich quite often are so wrapped up in today and tomorrow and the next day, what's going to happen next year or five years and all these uh, plans ahead that just have to do with the world. And and but the world's coming to an end. And that's the whole point here is that this all this is all going to be done. And then what do you have? Um, Paul. Yeah, I was just going to add. I mean, this is just going to basically echo everything that everybody's already said, but you you cannot um, relentlessly pursue God and simultaneously relentlessly pursue wealth. Just not to say that you can't uh, accumulate over your life uh, a healthy amount of wealth uh, mm-hmm. and be a righteous person and be a Christian. What it does mean is, is that if you're spending every waking hour of your day um, trying to make more money, trying to uh, improve your material circumstances. And if you're not, uh, when you when you do attain good things, when you do have material blessings, which we know come from God, uh, when you do attain those things, if you don't think about um, the people who don't have as much as you have, um, if you fail to consider uh, the you know uh, uh, people who may be in need. Um, then, then that's going to be remembered uh, by by God, um, and and if you're spending your all all of your time pursuing wealth, um, you're not going to have any time left over to give to God. You're going to be um, more poor uh, for it spiritually. All right, good, good, good comments, brothers. Um, so the Zach, read verses seven through twelve. Absolutely. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the Lord, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the, Lord, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, 
and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. All right, great. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's certainly a lot in there for sure. Um, some of the things that I just kind of picked up on is how uh, swift of a transition that um, he makes here between, you know, sinners or those who would, you know, neglect to care much about God or anything righteous to um, to those that are trying to do his will, right? And those that are trying to be steadfast. Um, the idea that we must be patient and establish our hearts really puts me back into a position of trusting in the Lord, right? And not necessarily um, pushing towards things that I'm not 100% confident in based on what I know myself, um, but having enough faith to always stay in him no matter what takes place um, on this earth. And then using that to then also be able to relate to to one another. It said, grudge not one against another, brother, unless you be um, condemned. And that's a hard that's a hard thing sometimes because, you know, when things are happening in your life, you're not always, you know, out to go and, you know, encourage someone else. But we, we certainly need, we need each other. And then the last thing that just kind of stood out to me because I'm in this phase of raising the two little ones is to, you know, your KBA and your nay be nay, right? Like we, the simple, you know, principles around being people of your word, you know, um, of honor and not fluctuating or vacillating between, you know, two different positions, right? When you say that you're going to do something. You do it right. when you yeah. say no um, to something and you stand on it because the reason you made that decision is ultimately because of where it aligns. And we hope that would be aligned with with Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, you know, it's interesting here because it really starts out uh, with the instructions on being patient for the coming of the Lord. You know, we just talked about those who aren't even worried about it. You know, they're focused on the world and whatever's going to happen there and, and could really care less about the coming of the Lord um, in their worldview. But, uh, but then it tells us, that, like like you said, Derek, it's it's uh, contrary to that. A Christian, those who follow the Lord, should be patient and should be patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord. And our lives should build toward that event. And so, uh, you know, we won't get caught up in those types of things. Um that the world has to offer but yeah raising raising kids uh, you have to teach them yeah you know go out and make a career and do the best you can but keep in mind that the spiritual is more important and there's a balance in that in in uh in teaching kids but you know also just thinking about all of us as children of god you know god wants us to be patient through all of this that's going on and just wait for what he says is coming and believe in that you know, um, I'm sure, uh, Derek, you may have uh, experienced this, but as a, as a father, when I go to a store, once my kids got old enough to go off and kind of do their own thing, and I would tell them, you know, hey, I want you to meet me here when you're done. I expected them to be there, but do you know what happens sometimes? And this is for you, Paul, and this is for you, Zach, to plan for in the future. <laughs> they will come and look for you. 
they won't be patient and stay there. But at a certain point, if it takes you what they think is too long, they'll leave and they'll come and look for you. You know what happens? You end up at the store all day looking around to finally find each other because they weren't patient and staying in that one place. And that's kind of, it reminds me of what we do with God sometimes. It's like, you know, this is, I don't like the way this is happening. I don't like the way that's happening. So I'm going to change things. I'm going to try to make this happen quicker, or, you know, mess with our lives and just forget about the fact that God is coming. <laughs> and we need to be ready. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that analogy, Sebastian. Um, I, well, I think it, the, it, I, I like the way he connects these two ideas, right? This warning to the rich, this condemnation really of, of a certain type of behavior on, on, on behalf of, 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 of the wealthy in this society, the wealthy and powerful. He says in verse 6, they've condemned and murdered the righteous person, and the righteous person, he, there in verse 6, does not resist. So that reminds us of Christ, obviously. But then we can gather, too, that the righteous person he's talking about in verse 6 is the Christian because in verse seven, he says, be patient, therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. So he, these two ideas are connected as far as he's concerned. So he says, even though things are getting bad, you're being wrongly condemned and murdered and oppressed. Be patient. Um, therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. And he gives this analogy of the farmer who waits for the rain. And then he says, the judge is standing at the door and he warns Christians um, to be careful so that they that they don't grumble against one another so that they not be judged. Mm -hmm. But uh, he basically the message here is one of, of of long suffering and being steadfast even through difficult circumstances um, because God is always for the Christian very close and He is a perfect judge and He will uh, one day make everything right. And then I think verses verse twelve goes along with that idea too. In that, okay, so um, what? In their day, there was a culture of people swearing by things to sort of vouch for their word or affirm their word. This was especially common in Jewish culture, which it seems like James is mostly writing to people who had come out of uh, a mostly Jewish cultural heritage. And he's saying, well, what what you put value in um, reflects your, your your character. So instead of swearing by, you know, the doors of the temple or the Ark of the Covenant uh, or, you know, the gold of the temple or whatever it, it was popular to swear by, um, instead let your yes be yes and no be no, because it should be known about Christians that our highest value uh, is truth, because God is, is the truth and the true light. Um, so we should be people who, whose word is, is truth in, in, in everything that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, focusing on the the farmer um, illustration here, and that's simply because I, I grew up helping out my grandfather on his farm. Um, he he planted a variety of things, vegetables and and a few fruits and whatnot. But I think of myself in in regard to this illustration of, of the farmer who goes, you know, in the springtime, you go out and you, you plant your fields or you, you plow them up first and then you plant the field. And then um, you basically, essentially you wait for until the fall for the harvest. Um, there are a few things you do in there. Maybe, maybe if there's not enough rain, you, you'll water the field. Maybe if there's uh, um, a bunch of weeds, you have to go out and pull the weeds, you know, every now and then. 
Um, maybe you have to add a little extra fertilizer if it's not growing to your liking. Uh, but it, it, everything a farmer does is continuous. Um, so he, he basically kind of just relives the same day over and over again in a lot of respects. But it's also it's also steadfast in in the sense that um, it takes a lot of patience to be a farmer. And, and I I always uh, enjoyed enjoyed working with my grandpa and helping him out on his farm because usually because there was ice cream or a fishing trip uh, involved <laughs> at the unit. Uh, <laughs> I guess that doesn't really have much to what do with what we're talking about here. But there is a reward, I guess. Is what, yeah, I was say, right, that sounds good. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, and, and that'll come on Judgment Day, as we know. Um, yeah. If we are patient, we are steadfast, uh, like Job was and like the prophets were. But but the other thing is, is in, in my own life, you know, it, if I plant something, whether it be uh, uh, something I'm trying to develop personally or it be something involving the church or it be uh, a relationship I'm trying to grow, I, I don't plant a seed and then go and look at it the next day to see if it's like a fully matured uh, vegetable or tree or whatever. You know, it takes... Uh, it, you wouldn't do that in farming, so why do I do that sometimes in my own life? You know, uh, when the, like uh, um, with myself, I'll, I'll be too hard on myself. I think sometimes in thinking that I should just have things figured out in an instant. Uh, sometimes I think I allow myself to become frustrated whenever uh, I'm dealing with certain certain issues in the church or thinking about certain things church related and and uh, thinking that they should just be resolved instantly. Uh, and the same thing with my own uh, personal relationships, I would say as well, is thinking that there's always going to be an, an easy, instantaneous uh, solution to everything. And that's just not the case. And so this is an important passage for me myself, at least from the patient's perspective, um, realizing that I, things take time and I need to be uh, steadfast and continuous in order, in order to appreciate the growth and, and appreciate the reward. All right, any good comments? Any, any more on that subject? All right, uh, Derek, if you could read uh, verses 13 through 20 for us. Yeah, read this. So this is James 5, 13. Um, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise up, raise him up. And if he be committed, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. All right, thanks. You know, um... Don't get me wrong here, because we all know that the only power to save us is through the Lord, through Jesus Christ, through his blood and, and his power. That's the that's the only 
true saving power. But we do have a role <laughs> in helping each other get there, you know, get to heaven. Uh, and, and it's important, you know, each of us to, um, to realize that the words we say, the encouragement we give, the help that we give to others, it's, it's powerful. You know, and these, these verses here uh, tell us that. They tell us that, um, you know, that we should pray for each other and we should ask for prayers for ourselves and, and for others. But uh, that, that prayer life is so important and um, because we're, we're calling on God to, to intervene and to, and to do things. And not only that, but we're also encouraging each other um, by, by praying for one another, by knowing that people are praying for you. I don't know if you all remember, but the day before I went into the hospital, I never do that. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even understand why I did it. I was like, man, why did you do that? And, you know, we're in a worship service and we're wrapping up the service. And I, I asked the congregation to pray for me because I had felt pretty bad the night before, but I was feeling fine that day. But something just told me, you know, ask for some prayers. <laughs> I needed them. I mean, I needed them immediately because I tell you, I mean, that was some, a rough day that I went through, but, but God brought me through that. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling, feeling good these days, but, um, you know, that time I needed that prayer, and I'm so thankful that I asked for it and that you all gave, gave it to me. Yeah, I, I was just going to – you're a great example of this. And, and anyone who's ever been, uh, you know, had an experience where they've had, uh, you know, something go physically wrong with them and it was scary, it, it helps to have that support of that family that you know is praying for you. Um, and I think this passage to me, uh, the biggest thing it tells me is whatever circumstances the Christian finds themselves in, um, they can find a way to uh, reinforce their relationship with God and progress in their relationship with God through it. So if I'm personally struggling, I can pray. If things are going great and I'm cheerful, I can praise God. Um, mm -hmm. And that those are kind of the two categories of how things can be as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And then, you know, and, and also if I'm, if I'm sick, if I'm having physical troubles, I can actually request the prayers of, of the church and, and specifically the leadership of the church, the eldership uh, and, and the prayer of faith that says, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. I mean, they're really bold claims being made mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. what prayer can do in this passage. And yeah. I do yeah. take these claims very, very literally. I mean, he, he talks mm -hmm. about Elijah prayed fervently and it, that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three years, and six months. Um, and then he prayed again and heaven gave rain. And obviously God is working his power through Elijah in that Old Testament story. But, uh, but Elijah is the one who... Um, uh, sort of uh, meets God in prayer, uh, and it's through Elijah's relationship with God and cooperation with God that this amazing thing happens. So in, in the same way, we're invited to be in a relationship with God, a, a relationship where um, where there is an exchange, there is a give and take, um, where we can, we can speak with him um, as friend to friend. Um, and, and, and this is connected too with those who might be um, spiritually erring in verses nineteen and twenty. We can pray for, and our prayers can, in the same sense, accomplish much. Uh, maybe for one who um, has has known the truth and wandered from it, and now needs to be brought back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I throw something in here real quick, Zach? Um, 
you know, one thing that I wanted to uh, to address, uh, I appreciate what, what you said there, Paul. Uh, the, uh, the one thing that I remember, which was uh, an unusual experience for me, because I've never been taken by ambulance to the hospital before or anything, but I've sometimes thought, you know, well, well, if I'm in this sort of life or death uh, situation, is it going to be scary for me? You know, am I going to be afraid to die or whatever? And, you know, when I ask for those prayers, I ask for prayer for myself, but I don't want people to think that that's a guarantee that you're going to be okay. You know, it, it, it's not. It doesn't mean that oh, well, if you pray and you have people praying for you, that God's going to pull you out of it. It might be your time to move on. And if we're thinking that they're in the right way and expecting the right things and having a spiritual focus, we won't mind that either, you know. The thing that surprised me the most is once I got out of the hospital and I got back home, I thought back on what happened to me, and I couldn't remember one time when I thought to myself that I was afraid to die. I didn't think about it at all, and I was I was happy about that. But I, I will tell you, I think one of the things that had me settled is not so fact that not the fact that I believed that my brothers and sisters praying for me was going to pull me out of it, but it was just the comfort of knowing that people were praying for me and that attachment, just being in that spiritual environment and feeling God with me, knowing that my brothers and sisters were praying for me. And in that sense, I, I felt the peace because I knew that no matter what happened, I was going to be okay. Yeah, so uh, you guys have have all uh, made good contributions and pointed out some, some good things here. And so I, I guess I'll really just go over... Uh, Kind of revisit some of the things you've already brought up, but I I want to um I want to focus on uh, how many times James brings up prayer here and just keeps coming back to it. it. It tells me that this is something we should be emphasizing uh, in our in our church lives, but you know with the rest of our church family, but also in our own personal lives. Um, this idea of you know when you're suffering, when you're struggling with something, or being persecuted, or uh, maybe having an emotional uh, issue, a mental issue of so, some sort, maybe even something physical. Pray about it. You know, he says, if you're cheerful, if you're in a good mood, go ahead and sing some praises to God. But he comes back and says, if there's something seriously wrong with you, whether that be physical or also spiritual, I, I believe he's certainly not leaving out the spiritual sickness that uh, uh, we can we can uh, incur at different points in our lives. He's saying, if it's serious enough, get the elders together and have them pray over you. Yeah. And don't, uh, th I realize this is not something like, obviously we don't anoint people with oil anymore. That seems to be um, uh, more of a ceremonial thing that they must've done at that point uh, that we no longer practice. But, but certainly I think something that's been neglected in the churches is, is get the elders together and, and talk to them and have them pray for you and pray right. for you. You know, while you're in the room, if, if it's something that serious, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus, Jesus somewhere said, um, you know, don't don't be afraid of the ones that can kill your body, your physical body. Rather, be afraid of of the one who can kill your soul and, and uh, you know, con condemn you to hell, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think it's important to remember in reading this passage as well um, that that. If you're if you're seriously spiritually ill, if you have some serious spiritual issue that you're having to deal with, you better let some people know. You better confess your sin. Um, you better talk to the elders about it. And you better get your act together. 
uh, because this is serious business. I, I think he ends on a strong note here. And he, as as Paul pointed out, he he uh, talks about how Elijah's fervent prayer uh, caused the 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 very nature of the elements to to uh, be changed. God God affected uh, the rain pattern um, for a long period of time. And then and I do want to I do want to point out at the very end here in verses nineteen and twenty, he does talk about how when someone walks away from God and and that and you are able to bring him back into the fold, if you're able to pull him back to where he needs to be, um, then it's a good thing. It is a it is an honorable thing that you've done. And it even says in verse 20 that it's going to you're not only saving him from death, but you're you're um, covering a multitude of sins yourself. You're covering his sins. You're covering your own sins. Um, Everyone wins in that situation. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's probably a rare thing, I'm guessing, but it, it's a good thing to, to note, I believe. Yeah, I think it's an excellent thing to note, um, Zach. And in fact, I was going to spend a, a few seconds on that point in general, just because I like what he does here. And the, the idea of the forgiveness of our sins has been brought up almost the same number of times as as prayer right just slightly below it and what that says to me is that look if, if we believe that jesus christ covers our sins then we should also believe that our prayers for the righteous will do what they said they will do right and so it's like you can't you can't disconnect those two things and when you look at when you look at being able to bring another back, so to speak, and we know it's not the individual, but it's God working through us. Um, that's exactly what we've been called to do. We have to be held accountable for that. And I think you're right. It probably happens less than we probably all need it to happen. And in fact, we should probably be all be signing up more for that type of behavior given given what was connected to actually doing it right because we all need that type of help mm -hmm. so if i'm able to help you and also help myself out at the same time then i should be motivated to make sure um that we're all you know on the straight and narrow and so i there's so many principles um in that particular verse but i i really like the way that he ends here because it seems to tie everything that James has been talking about through the entire chapter of, of preferring one more than yourself, being able to really tame your tongue and the responses to, to the things that happen in this world, but also align yourself wholly with what is righteous. And when you need prayer and when you need strength, do it and lean on each other as well, because it it works. It works. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, well, and I, I'm just going to add real quick, I um, just occurred to me is like, I don't know, how many times have you known of somebody who, uh, who walked away from the truth or, or walked away from Christ because they, they had a certain one, maybe it was just one question that they had, a certain hard question uh, from the Bible, and they couldn't get a satisfactory answer to that question from anybody that they knew in their church life. So it's like 
but there may be, but but the but the the, the reason is never that there's not an answer to the question. The reason is that uh, there's there the, the that person hasn't found the right person who can who can open the scriptures for them. That, that's what uh, the Book of Acts says that that Philip did for the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we we could be that person though for somebody. Uh, you know, if, if we're if we're out trying to find the lost sheep, uh, taking that metaphor very literally, who who are the people uh, in our congregations that are slipping through the cracks, that are struggling, that that are having troubles, and what and what are the sources of those troubles, and then what can we do to help them with those things? Um, yeah, you know, there are some people who um, you know face a lot of really serious challenges, but I think a lot of times the challenges. Uh, don't get met because they're they're too difficult. They don't get met because there's nobody making the effort to meet them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, true. Really yeah, and I I'll chime in there on that, Paul, because you know that requires a level of um, transparency that I don't think that we always enjoy, even you know within the body, right? And again, transparency is bred by familiarity. I believe familiarity is bred by time spent, right? And so. All those things have to come into play if we want to try to make sure that, you know, folks don't slip through the cracks. And in fact, so that I don't slip through the cracks, right? Because <laughs> if, if we don't think about it in that way, any of us could easily slip through. So yeah. that's, a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it does uh, speak toward our individual responsibility toward helping others uh, who are in the body in particular. Because... Um, one thing that uh, that I know, you know, being an elder, uh, the elders, just because we're elders doesn't mean that we can communicate well with everybody. You know, uh, I sit down and I try to talk to some people and it just doesn't seem to quite flow. And, and others, you know, it's like it's almost like we know what we're going to say before we say it. And and I think that it's that way with a lot of people, and that's why you see pe- people members gravitate toward one another. Um, but and I think God plants that in us where we can communicate some things to to certain people. And so I think every member of the body has to try to reach out to someone who they can connect with and communicate in that way, because you you know you might you might be that one person who can encourage somebody who's fallen away. You know, you might be able to talk to them or say something to them that they'll really be able to hear that, um, you know, even, even the elders might come to them and talk to them and they just don't hear it. But you might be that voice. And, uh, you know, you might, you might not even think that much of yourself, but you can actually go and, and talk to that person and they will hear you. Um, and I, I'm not just making that up either. I've seen that happen where some people are able to talk to others and, 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 uh, and make progress where, you you know, you wouldn't expect it. But uh, let's let's just take a few minutes here and just let's talk about our overall impression of James because we've concluded our, our discussion on James now. We'll be moving on to Ecclesiastes. Um, but for for right now, let's just go around and we'll go Paul, Zach, Derek, and then I'll, I'll conclude. But let's just give um, just an overall impression of James, uh, how useful you find it or or you know something that that came up a point maybe that we that came up a while back that you want to uh, expand on or a- anything that you'd like to say we'll start with Paul well I mean this might be pretty general but it, it it's a great practical workbook for the Christian um, mm-hmm. a great devotional study book 
um, just to work through. Um, in that uh, James offers a ton of, of day-to-day advice and, and general advice, but advice that's applicable to each generation. I mean, we've found all sorts of things uh, here, at, uh, you know, uh, 2,000 plus years later um, that, uh, well, 2,000 plus, but a little less than that. Uh, you know, uh, in the 21st century, we find all these applications that um, uh, uh, that that are still relevant to us today. So, um, in a way, uh, books like James helped me to feel connected to uh, the Christians who lived back then. Mm-hmm. And that um, I can see um, when I read these the, uh, books like James, um, what their concerns were, what they needed uh, comfort with, um, what their minds were set on, um, and what James felt was important for them to dwell on. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Paul. I think if I was going to sum up James in one word, it would be practical. Uh, and I know, I know, often it, James is referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, and that's because there's a lot of wise sayings in it, but also because of just kind of the choppy nature of the way James writes it. You know, he kind of it seems like he just cuts from from subject to subject sometimes without really giving any transitional uh, uh, signal at all. Uh, and, and some, I mean, oftentimes those subjects are, are related to each other, but he still, it just, there seems to be hard breaks in there quite often. Uh, I'm trying, I'm gonna try my best to hit, hit a highlight from each of the chapters here, if I can, if I can remember correctly. Uh, I know in James chapter one, uh, it, it, I remember, uh, count it all joy, my brothers, when you endure, uh, you know, encounter various trials uh, mm-hmm. and endure hardships and things of that nature. I remember uh, that being in, in chapter one and even being a not just a hearer of the word, but a doer also towards the end. Um, chapter two, I believe, is uh, faith without works is dead. And, and that's certainly uh, a, an all important scripture for us to uh, re- um, reference back to from time to time. Uh, I believe uh, chapter three was talking about the tongue. Um, I had to double check myself there for a second, but uh, (laughs) beware the tongue and the dangers of the tongue and how quickly it can become an issue for us if we allow it to. And then uh, uh, chapter four that we just wrapped up talking about, you know, uh, stop, stop talking about tomorrow. Stop thinking about tomorrow. Just live, live for today. Live your life today. Allow it to happen. You're not going to be here for a very long time. So stop thinking years down the road. Uh, and then obviously tonight with, with chapter five, uh, rich people are, that, that exploit others are not in a good position and and uh, the power of prayer is really how he wraps it up. Um, mm-hmm. And the power of, interfe- of uh, intervening on behalf of a lost brother as well. Yeah. Wow. My quick synopsis of James, I suppose. Yeah, thanks for the summary. Yeah, yeah, I won't I won't pile on too much. What I will say is that, you know, I did a study around this um before and you know entitled Did the Christian Blueprint, right? And I, I just think that's what it is when you know yeah. I, I love sports and that type of thing. And there's always, you know, a blueprint or a great game plan, if you will, for what you think you're gonna encounter. Um the good thing about what James does it he gives you, you know, both sides, right? He talks about if you're rich versus being poor, right? He talks about um, you, um, you know, moving in one direction selfishly or 
versus considering others. So, you know, at any point in the game, if they throw a different defense in, in your face, you know how to maneuver, right? It doesn't catch you off guard because you've prepared for it. And I, I believe that's what this quote-unquote blueprint is designed to do. Look, people spend a lot of time and a lot of money looking for books and speakers and all this other stuff around various parts of your life. But, you know, I just think we've got a, we've got a word that's sure right in front of us if we take the time to dissect it and really understand it, and it can help us out tremendously. And last thing I'll say is, you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, um, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, and we just kind of talking about all this stuff happening in this world. And, you know, one of my comments back was really, you know, you know, none of this stuff, earthly stuff will really matter in the end, right? Because, you know, it's all going to go away. And so we need to make very sure that we're spending time developing what is going to happen after this, right? And it's a stark reminder that it's coming um, and it's, it's very real. And we need to make sure we're holding each other accountable as we go. So. It's been a great study. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Um, you know, and uh, just to kind of spring off of what you just said there, um, when I think of James, I, I really do think of it as sort of a preparation for Christians. It's it's sort of like, I don't think this is for, um, well, I mean, it could be used for those that are, are just baptized and just starting a, a, a life in Christ, but I think it means something deeper to those that have been in Christ for a while and have really studied uh, the word and, and, you know, and the different concepts that a Christian should be aware of, because it really does. Um, I, I like what Zach said, that it, it does seem to seem to almost hop around, but it's because it's, it seems expected that whoever is reading it already knows a lot of stuff. And this is this is sort of final preparation. It's sort of like and to go but to go to the sports that Derek was talking about there. It's like if somebody knows the rules of football and has watched football for twenty years, you're gonna to talk to them differently about the game than somebody that is their first time watching it. And this is like you guys know what the Christian race is about. Here's some details, little here's how to do things a little bit better and it's some things to watch out for. Uh, but then just be ready. You know, and uh, realize that they, the responsibilities you have, do those things and, and be ready. And that's that's kind of like what I get out of James. All right, brothers, yeah, this has been wonderful. I've uh, enjoyed uh, talking with you guys and having these discussions about James, and I appreciate you taking some time. I know that the, there's a whirlwind going around in just about everybody's life these days, so... Uh, but but you know this is like a this is like a island of peace to come here and, and discuss God's word with you guys. So I, I really appreciate it. And next time we gather, we'll we'll start with Ecclesiastes. Sounds good, guys. All right. Have a good night. Enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening. For more about us, check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, and YouTube.